Hi, everybody, and welcome to our first annual celebration of spectrophilia, otherwise known as our Dirty Talk podcast, Halloween Spooktacular. (laughs) Oh, that's quite creepy. You like Halloween. I do. It's my favorite because I'm super gothtastic. And you like to dress in black. Always. And put on crazy outfits. Every day is Halloween. In your house, yes. Correct. And in my head. Even though this is our first annual celebration of spectrophilia, that it is in no way a binding promise that there will be a second annual celebration of spectrophilia. I didn't sign any contracts. Exactly. So enjoy the first annual, possibly second annual next year. I'm sure we'll do something for Halloween because Halloween... Happens every year. And it happens to be both of our favorite holiday. Correct. Halloween is incredibly popular. Do you know just how popular it is? How popular is it? Let's go through the statistics before we get started with the rest of the amazing information that we have sifted through and combined into an earload of fun for you. Lay your statistics on me. Halloween comes from the ancient pagan festival celebrated by the Celtic people over 2,000 years ago called Samhain. It always comes back to pagan something. Every holiday is basically some sort of pagan celebration that was co-opted by the Catholic Church, and Halloween is no different, but we're not going to get into it in this episode. Samhain means summer's end. It marks the beginning of winter. I guess the ancient Celtic people thought there was only two seasons of the years. There was the dark period of the year and the light period of the year. So they had summer or they had winter. That makes sense. I could see that. Samhain is also thought to celebrate the beginning of the Celtic year. So the year begins when it gets dark. So the beginning of the year is the dark time of the year. Hmm. That's an odd way of doing it, but I'm sure it made sense to them. The Celts also believed that Samhain was a time when the dead could walk among the living. And that is essentially what Halloween is all about. That is why we call this our celebration of spectrophilia, because Halloween is about nothing but celebrating our love of ghosts and spirits and all things spooky. Spectrophilia is being sexually attracted to ghosts. Yes, but it also could be a love of ghosts, right? Sexually attracted to ghosts. That is a deep pants love. There's plenty of sexy ghosts around this Halloween. Uh, I understand. Which we'll get to, too. We're going to get to both the spectrophilia and the sexy ghosts, right? Okay, right, right. Do you know how many people are planning on celebrating Halloween this year? I don't, but I have a feeling you're about to tell me. Because you see this long list of statistics that I currently have in front of me. You are a man who loves him some statistics, yes. According to the polls I have read, which are available on the website accompanying this podcast, 68% of respondents plan to celebrate Halloween this year. So 68% of the population, not bad. In 2019, Halloween spending is expected to reach 8.8% billion dollars that is a fuck ton of money the top spending categories for this halloween 3.2 billion dollars on costumes which is no surprise second is what would you say candy yes 2.6 billion dollars on candy that is a fuck ton of candy that's ever so much sugar i'm sure that dennis across the land rejoice Third highest spending category, what would you say would be? Third highest. Alcohol. No, they didn't have statistics for alcohol. Pumpkins. No. Candy, costumes. It's not well, pumpkin. pumpkins could be lumped into this category. Food. Do you actually eat your pumpkin? The pumpkin seeds, yes. Okay, but what do you do with the pumpkins? You carve them and put them out on your porch until they rot, and then you throw them away. And they are considered... Decoration. Yes! Oh, I got it. Yes. Decorations. Okay, okay. I'm tracking you now. Halloween is the second biggest holiday for decorating right behind Christmas. I like to keep my Halloween decorations out all year round. 
Because I'm spooky like that. To scare the kids off your lawn. (laughs) And finally, coming in last place, $390 million is spent on greeting cards. Which I don't greeting know. Greeting cards? Yeah. Who sends Halloween greeting cards? I suppose some people. I've sent a few, but I didn't know it was that much money in it. Huh. Yeah. It is definitely not one of the largest greeting card holidays of the year. I believe that is Christmas followed by Mother's Day. What about Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. Oh, and Valentine's Day, yes. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look up the statistics on that. I know we had them in our Valentine's Day special if you haven't already checked it out. It's good. So good. The other big trending tradition is people dressing something that they have around their house in costumes. Pets. Yes. This year, 29 million people say they are planning on dressing their pets in costumes for Halloween. Those poor, poor pets. And the total spending for pet costumes this year is expected to come in at $490 million. That is a lot of disposable income on some poor friend slaves who don't have a lot of say in the matter. Well, this is what happens when you don't have children to dress. You dress your pets in uncomfortable costumes that they are constantly trying to chew off. I have never done that. Can you guess what the number one pet costume this year would be? Number one pet costume. Is it something traditional like an angel or a devil or... It is something traditional, something very much associated with Halloween. A witch. Nope. Witch comes in at number six on the list, with only 2.5% of people expected to dress their animals as witches. Coming in top spot at 9.3% of respondents is a pumpkin. What really surprised me about this list of pet costumes, 3.2% of people said they were going to dress their pet as a cat. Are these dogs that they're dressing as cats? Uh, maybe it's cats they're dressing as cats, because that's <laughs> very meta. my cat as a cat? Yeah, yeah. It's my cat's a cat for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So 3.2% of people dressing their animals as cats. However, only 2.1% of people are dressing their animals as dogs for Halloween. Maybe people with cats and dogs, it's like, hey, let's dress the cat like a dog and the dog like a cat. Coming in last, 1.7%. A shark. Nothing is cuter than a little tiny wiener dog dressed as a shark going around and nibbling on people's ankles. Now, this does sound like a ton of money to be spent on Halloween. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but Halloween has been long touted to be the second highest consumer spending holiday behind Christmas. That makes sense because there are simply more things to purchase than Valentine's Day. This is completely false. What? Christmas, by far and away, is the hugest consumer spending holiday. Yes, but then you said Halloween. It's long been touted to be the second highest consumer spending holiday, but it is really, really far back in the list. Halloween falls behind all the other major holidays, including Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Father's Day, and Easter. What? In fact, people will spend almost as much celebrating the Super Bowl. As they do celebrating Halloween. They've obviously never seen me in a costume shop. Halloween has this misconception because it is the second largest decorative holiday, like we said before, and that's what gets people's attention. Also, it is more obvious as to who is celebrating Halloween than other holidays. You're not necessarily sure who is celebrating Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, or Easter because they are not dressing in costumes or wearing fancy Christmas sweaters. So Halloween probably is the second most obvious holiday as to who is celebrating it, and that is why people assume it is the second biggest consumer spending holiday behind Christmas. There you have it, your rundown of Halloween statistics. Are you ready to get into the meat of the matter? Yes, I am, because your numbers bore me. Here's some more numbers for you. If you ever want to get in touch with us, if you ever want to give us a shout out or comment on something, ask a question, or just leave a random message that might get played on a future episode, you can give us a call at 614-733-4739, otherwise known as 614-R-Degray, that is spelled R-D-E-G-R-E-Y. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. Jingle, jingle. Let's get ready for the spooktacular 
splendor that is our celebration of spectrophilia. To start us off with the celebration of spectrophilia, here is Miss Rain to describe what spectrophilia is. Ghost fucking. (laughs) Straight to the point. Humans have the capability to eroticize almost anything. It is Rule 34 in Glorious Play. For those who don't know what Rule 34 is, would you care to explain it to our listeners? Someone is fucking a cactus online? (laughs) Yes, that is correct. That is Rule 34. Rule 34 says that if you can eroticize it and turn it into porn or make it sexual in some way, someone has. You name it, there is someone out there getting excited over the concept. While there are infinite examples of this, the one I'm going to be focusing on today is spectrophilia. Spectrophilia is sexual attraction to ghosts or, and this is a little odd to me, sexual arousal from images and mirrors, as well as the alleged phenomenon of sexual encounters between ghosts and humans. So this is an odd one because I feel like the sexual arousal from images and mirrors is kind of lumped in with wanting to fuck ghosts. It's kind of a left turn from ghost fucking. Right. I don't know. They shoehorned that in. So I'm not going to... Is it your own image in a mirror? You just stand in the mirror and just get hard? And I think that's narcissism. I I think it's maybe other people's images. I, I couldn't. That's the textbook definition of it. And I am a little sidetracked with the images and mirrors. So we're setting that one aside. Because I'm choosing not to focus on the sexual arousal from images and mirrors in honor of the spooky season, I'm going to be focusing on the angle of ghost fucking. Having sex with ghosts is actually a very common concept through many cultures, including Arabic, Greek, Hindu, and Celtic societies. In Western folklore, we have the succubus and the incubus. They are the sexy spooky for Western folklore. The succubus is a demon or an evil spirit who takes on a female human form to seduce men. Now, where it gets interesting is the succubus is said to take semen from the male to use to impregnate a woman, which quite possibly could be used to explain those tricky, unexplainable pregnancies. Of course, the demon did it. (laughs) No, honey. I swear I didn't cheat. A succubus must have seduced some man and stolen his semen and then had sex with me, and that's why I have a ghost baby bun in the oven. It's uh, kind of akin to, no, I'm still a virgin, it must have been God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very similar indeed. I think it's quite convenient that we have in folklore these tricksy, tricksy demon spirits that are impersonating a woman, hoovering out semen from some poor fellow and then keeping it in their ghost pocket and then appearing in another room and then taking a male form and then depositing the semen into a woman and then that's how she gets pregnant. So they have a little semen sack. Yeah, yeah, in their (laughs) midsection. I'm just going to take this from you if you don't mind. Go back to sleep. Nothing happening here. (laughs) I'm just going to float it into another building and whoops, a baby. Someone's got a baby. Mm -hmm. The male counterpart of the succubus is the incubus. The incubus is a demon that is said to take on a male human form. The incubus, much like the succubus, is said to seduce women into sex with the objective of impregnating the woman with its semen. I find it interesting that it's not just ghost fucking that's happening, but there's a really heavy emphasis on this semen extraction and depositing it in other people. While the succubus and incubus concepts are interesting, In the course of my research, what I found myself most drawn to was ghost fucking, which seems to happen more frequently than one might expect. There are actually a multitude of celebrities who have gone on record claiming that they have had sex with ghosts, including Kesha, Lucy Liu, Bobby Brown, Anna Nicole Smith, who evidently had sex with a ghost multiple times before she finally realized it wasn't her boyfriend. (laughs) And Dan Aykroyd, 
who went down on record as having a gay experience with a ghost. Based on the episodes of Anna Nicole's reality show that I saw, I am in no way surprised that she had sex with a ghost multiple times before realizing it wasn't her boyfriend. I think that in a large part of these experiences, drugs might have played a significant role. Uh, the interview that Bobby Brown did when they asked him about the ghost fucking, he repeatedly got asked, were you high? And he was very clear to stress, I was, was dead not. sober and the ghost was banging me and I was super not high. He was clear about that. I think he and Whitney Houston were notorious for doing they were. drugs. And if you look at Whitney Houston towards the end there, she was practically a ghost. Correct. Correct. But he is would like he very much would like it to be known that when he had sexual relations with this ghost, he was dead sober. I did have sexual relations with that ghost. But I was not fucked up. We fucked, but I was not fucked up. Lucy Liu was sober, she said, when she had her sexual encounter and she said the ghost was quite skilled. Booyah. Of all the celebrity encounters... The most memorable one to me is not a confused Anna Nicole Smith, but the Dan Aykroyd one. Of his ghost experience, Aykroyd says that he did not believe he was the ghost type. But when you're dead, you're not going to be as fussy and it's any port in the storm. So he feels that even though the ghost banged him, he wasn't the ghost type and it's not really what the ghost would have gone for, but he was there. So fuck it. Beggars can't be choosers. So Dan Aykroyd doesn't feel used by this reluctant homosexual ghost encounter? I think that he might have felt slightly used, but he wasn't going to judge them. Poor horny ghost. <laughs> he he wasn't unduly traumatized by it. He ain't afraid of no ghost. Right, but he did not feel like he was on top of the ghost uh, to bang wish list. I think if I died, <laughs> came back to some sort of... Spectral form looking for a human to have sex with, Dan Aykroyd would not be on the very top of my list. Dan Aykroyd is actually a legendary Casanova who lays some serious pipe. He was up in Warren Beatty territory. He was actually a legendary Hollywood player. That, mm, you know. Who would have known Aykroyd got some game? Oh, yeah, he did. Booyah. It isn't just celebrities who are going on the record about their ghostly encounters. But if you are not a celebrity that ghosts are tripping over themselves to have sex with, you're probably going to have to actually put in some effort in order to find your ghost fuck buddy. How would you do that? For only the low, low price of $90 on Amazon, you can get sexual alchemy, magical intercourse with spirits. Among the reviews for this masterpiece are such gems as... Caveat emptor, magus emptor, buyer and wizard beware. I would have to warn all who read this infamous book to be very careful what you're getting into. I tried the magic contained in it, and it works. In fact, since I was a virgin and got desperate, I put the rituals to the test with disastrous results. Even though I effectively lost my cherry, there was a horrible price to pay. I wound up homeless, and everyone I knew turned against me. Even though, by grace of God, I survived to tell the tale. Also, I broke up with my girlfriend, and I had to leave the city where the ritual was done. The kind of magic in this book is extremely dangerous. Other reviews claim... This book is well-written and well-put-together. I will not fault it at all in those aspects. However, you will become obsessed, possessed, addicted. This is the spiritual equivalent of taking hard drugs. It might seem appealing. Some people might come out on top after having done them. But most of the time, you'll spend many nights somewhere hurting with the shakes. Which sounds like pretty dangerous magical intercourse with spirits, so maybe save your $90 and don't try and fuck a ghost so you don't end up addicted, possessed, homeless, friendless, and fleeing the city with which you performed this magical ritual. In other Sexy Time Ghost news, we have British woman 
Amethyst Realm, <laughs> whose name... Is her given name? No, no, I, I, I highly doubt this is her given name. I think this is a name that she has chosen because her name pretty much tells you everything you need to know about her. Oh, I can imagine the doctor, Mrs. Realm, <laughs> it's a baby girl. What shall we name her? Amethyst. Right. Well, Amethyst Realm cheated on her fiancé with a ghost. And after doing that, has gone on to have supernatural affairs with at least 20 paranormal beings. Ooh, she gets around. However, she has now found true love with an apparition. But how can you settle down after that many affairs? Love. There's plenty. Think about it. I think there's more dead people than there are alive people now, aren't there? When the right one comes along. She said that she met her husband-to-be, who doesn't have a name, by the way, during a work trip to Australia. To quote Amethyst, I had not had a phantom fling for a while, and as I was away on business, starting a new relationship was the last thing on my mind. Then one day, while I was walking through the bush, enjoying nature, I suddenly felt this incredible energy. A new lover had arrived. Ooh, hot, sexy Aussie in the outback. Nameless, just pouncing on her. Hello, ladies, what's up? Yeah. Evidently, she hit it off so well with her nameless Australian ghost that the ghost ended up asking her to get married during a trip to celebrate their nine-month anniversary. According to Amethyst, there was no going down on one knee, as he doesn't actually have knees. <laughs> I guess he has a dick. That works. But he doesn't have knees. So I'm already sensing some holes in this plot, but whom am I to say that this is all in Amethyst Realm's mind? Certainly I would never say such a thing. Takes all kinds. Right. There's no going down on one knee. He doesn't actually have knees. But for the first time, I heard him speak. I could actually hear his voice, and it was beautiful, deep, sexy, and real. I love you. Always have. <laughs> Despite the engagement, they are thoroughly modern in every sense of the word, and they are happy members of the Mile High Club because she took her ghost lover with her on the plane back from Australia, but was so excited at his presence that she had to nip into the lavatory and have sex with him. That's one of the convenient things about having sex with spirits is you could do it in public and no one would ever know. And clean up as a breeze. Oh, yes, easily. This gives me the idea that we should start a dating website for specters only. With all of our free time, let's put that on the to-do list. Amethyst added that this engagement was much more satisfying than her previous living fiancé. Sometimes I get the feeling that I'm being moved. Orgasms I have with my spirit lovers have been way more satisfying than any I've had with ordinary men. If I were to put on my psychoanalyst hat for a moment, I would humbly propose that Amethyst Realm maybe has felt a little betrayed or unsatisfied or uncomfortable with humans and having sex and getting engaged and married to spirits is one way to deal with the intimacy issues that it appears she might have. Or maybe I'm cynical. Who knows? She could have found true love in the outback with a mysterious, kneeless, nameless ghost. He's got calves beneath your knees. <laughs> he can't, he doesn't have knees, but he can dick her down. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, ghost fucking. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. You're very welcome. I've got some stuff about ghosts. Coming up next. Previously on Dirty Talk. After hours. hours. Yeah, you ready for this final volley? I'm ready. All right, let's, let's do, do it. All right, hunker down. Oh shit! It looks like they're regrouping. Ah! What are they doing over there? Oh crap! Ah! Incoming! Incoming! Ah! 
Scratching? What do you mean scratching? There's nothing scratching. <gasps> Don't wait. I, I need to get out of here. Are you freaking you can, out, man? Yeah, I can't. I can't be in here anymore. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Stay, stay chill. Stay chill. You're not scratching. Let go of me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Touching. Something's touching. Nothing's touching. You're freaking out, man. All right, let us out. Let us out. Let us out. Let us out of here. Turn a little bit more and take another half step back. Half step. No. Say hi to Moriarty for me. Dirty Talk After Hours. Available exclusively on Patreon every Monday morning. If you do want to get access to the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast, you can get it in one of two ways. You can follow Rain DeGray on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Rain DeGray. You have to type it out exactly. I'm not searchable because I'm naughty. She has been blacklisted. She's in the adult ghetto. I'm a bad, bad girl. Or you can head on over to our brand spanking new shiny Dirty Talk podcast Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk podcast. Either way, if you pledge at $5 a month, you will get exclusive weekly access to the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast. It wasn't the puppies. The ones playing with each other against a field of yellow. One putting its paw mischievously on the nose of its companion, while the other gazed up submissively. It wasn't the puppies that drew you to the magazine after you departed the streetcar and walked into the corner newsstand to get your regular evening paper. You had never purchased the American magazine before, and although you liked how the vernal sunniness of the yellow and the carefree playfulness of the puppies reminded you of spring days past, warming you against the biting autumn cold, that was encouraging you to turn your coat collar up. What really compelled you to pay the two bits for it was the headline sitting there so boldly at the bottom of the cover. Edison, at work on Amazing Problem. Though there was no hint as to what the Amazing Problem was, you had an inkling after hearing a couple of guys debating it at the Blind Pig. But you needed to see it for yourself for it to be believed. So you plunked down your quarter on the oak counter and exchanged it for this 280-page tome. Arriving home, you put a phonograph on to brighten your spirits against the dreariness of the darkening autumnal day and lit a small fire to fight the chill that had accumulated in your one-room apartment. And so seated there in your one comfortable chair beneath the one bare light bulb which had just recently been wired in, replacing the gas light sconces that still hung on the wall, their black soot fingers reaching up towards the shadows on the ceiling. You opened the magazine and flipped past the Bonami ad featuring a smiling woman that looked far happier than anyone you'd ever seen carrying a mop. There it was, on page 10, a two-page spread with a title you still couldn't believe. Edison, working on how to communicate with the next world. After finishing the article, one quote still stuck in your mind. I have been at work for some time, building an apparatus to see if it is possible for personalities which have left this earth to communicate with us. There are two or three kinds of apparatus which should make communication very easy. I am engaged in the construction of one such apparatus now, and I hope to be able to finish it before many months pass. The thought swirled around in your brain, trying to grasp the enormity of it. Could it be possible? Could we be able to talk to our departed loved ones 
in a matter of only a few months' time. Coming from anyone else, these would have been unbelievably wild claims. Since the end of the war, the world seemed to be brimming with any number of charlatans claiming mystical necromantic powers. You couldn't even count how many people you knew that had a newfound interest in mysticism or held seance parties to contact the recently deceased, all of them yearning to find peace or some small respite from their grieving. Between the war and the Spanish flu, there was practically no one that hadn't suffered a loss of family or friend in the last two years. There were plenty of con artists, frauds, and quacks feeding off of and profiting from this fresh sorrow. But this was Edison. This was the wizard of Menlo Park. This was the man that made the impossible possible. The man who it seemed to have single-handedly ushered in this new, wondrous electronic age. The man who had invented the very light illuminating the pages in your hand and the phonograph filling your room with the echoes of a musical performance that it ended a year prior. Was anything off-limits in this amazing age of electromagnetism? And why wouldn't it be possible? Weren't people already claiming to hear the voices of the dead in the scratchy static of the telephone lines? You also remembered hearing about Mr. Edison's rival Tesla claiming that he heard ghostly voices coming through what he described as a spirit radio. And what of this new era of radio? Weren't its boundaries not yet known? If it was possible for these devices to pull the disembodied voices of people from miles away out of thin air, why wouldn't they be able to pick up spectral communication as well? So if Edison said it was possible, who were you to say otherwise? Inevitably, the thought of all these modern marvels led you to the realization that these things were inconceivable just a couple of generations back. This led you to thoughts of your grandparents, who you hadn't seen since you were a child, and you thought to yourself, could I speak to them in just a few months' time? Would it be just as easy as picking up the telephone and having the operator connect us to someone on the other side of the continent, could it be that easy? You thought about all the things you would ask them. Could they see you? Did they watch you grow up? Were they proud of you and what you'd done with your life? Were they aware of the technical miracles of the last few decades? Or would you have to describe this sensational new world of men flying through the air and electronic spectacle? And as you switched the light off and lay there in your bed, watching the shadows dance around the room from the dying fire, your brain burned bright with the possibilities of the future. And you thought of your friend that didn't make it home from the European front, and your favorite niece who had taken ill and died in a matter of days, exactly two years ago tomorrow, and all the other people that were lost but we're on the brink of coming home. You yourself believe in ghosts. This is correct, I do. You've described an experience to me that you had on Angel Island, which is in the middle of San Francisco Bay. To unpack that a little, I'm not sure that I would say ghosts in specific as much as I believe that it is possible to have residual psychic energy in a place that has had a lot of 
emotional turmoil. And I think anyone that were to visit Oswich would walk away saying, I've felt something there. And maybe a cynic like you could walk through a concentration camp and say that they don't feel any sort of... Latent spectral energy? Yes, but uh, I have felt it, and I, I don't know that I would necessarily qualify it as ghosts, but sometimes I think that an incident that has happened that can be traumatic or emotionally impactful enough can cause a residual energy that lingers after the person is gone. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're not necessarily alone. I know I'm not alone. Believing in ghosts. According to a December 2012 YouGov poll, 45% of the respondents said that they do believe in ghosts or that spirits of dead people can come back in certain places and situations. You would be part of that 45%. Mm-hmm. A whopping 64% of people believe that there is life after death. That's a very comforting belief to have, and it is one that I happen to personally have, yes. And 28% of people say that they have personally seen or believed they have been in the presence of a ghost. Now, I am a skeptic, as you know. Oh, believe me, I know. I'm going to break down your experience and bring to the table some explanations as to what you could have experienced there on Angel Island. Lay it on me, my friend. The first explanation could have been low-frequency sound. The typical range for human hearing runs from 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz, or 20 kilohertz. It has been found we can't consciously hear sounds below 20 hertz. These sounds are called infrasounds, and they may induce feelings of anxiety, especially at higher intensities. This has led people to dub the infrasound in the 18.9 hertz range the fear frequency. Mm, I approve of the alliteration. In fact, I am playing this frequency right now for you listeners to see if you have any adverse reaction to it. If you do, contact us and let us know. We're very curious in the name of science. Here's a little ghost story for you. In 1998, Vic Tandy was working late one night at a laboratory in Warwick, England. A laboratory that many consider to be haunted. Tandy inexplicably felt the hairs on the back of his neck prickle as if in fear. And he caught the barest glimpse of a gray blob-like figure out of the corner of his eye. It vanished when he turned his head to look at it directly. However, being a scientifically-minded person, he wanted to find an explanation for this supernatural phenomenon. Science! The next day, while working on a fencing foil in the lab, Tandy noticed that the blade began vibrating even though nothing was touching it. As it turned out, the lab's extractor fan was emitting a resonant frequency of around 18.98 hertz, which, as we have already established, is the fear frequency. This frequency of 18.98 hertz also happens to be roughly the same resonant frequency as the human eye. There's something in music called sympathetic frequencies. If you play one note, another string will vibrate in sympathy. So our eyeball resonates at a certain frequency, which happens to be around 18.98 hertz. He concluded that the gray blob he'd seen was an optical illusion 
the result of his eyeballs resonating at just that frequency. Once the fan was turned off, he reported that it was as if a huge weight was lifted and all the feelings of dread disappeared. Science. An additional study conducted in 2003, 22% of concert goers who were exposed to sounds at 17 hertz reported feeling uneasy, sorrowful, getting chills, or nervous feelings of revulsion and fear. So that could be an explanation of what happened to you in that old barrack on Angel Island. There could have been wind or something creating a low-frequency sound, creating those feelings of dread and terror. Hmm. Okay, you're right. There were no window panes, and it was a concrete structure. And twice I had very distinct feelings of apprehension and terror, and these encounters were roughly nine years apart. But it is entirely possible that wind rushing through that concrete structure in such a way could create those very distinct feelings of apprehension and terror. There are plenty of natural sources for this. Lightning, wind, certain animals emit sounds in this low register. The second possible explanation for your experience could be mold. Is it just a coincidence that many reported hauntings happen in dilapidated old houses, damp, dark cellars, and musty old attics? I think you're about to tell me that it is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. (gasps) I knew it! Researchers claim that older buildings where hauntings are usually reported often have poor air quality from pollutants like toxic mold, which can affect our brains. Mm. Okay. Exposure to mold can cause mood swings, irrational anger, and cognitive impairment. Further evidence of this is that substances like LSD, which is naturally occurring in the fungus ergot, have long been blamed for incidences of mass hallucination throughout history. So it's not a big step to see how exposure to toxic mold can explain some phantasmic encounters. One researcher into this phenomenon, a Professor Shane Rogers of Clarkson University in Post-Dam, New York, states that experiences reported in many hauntings are similar to mental or neurological symptoms reported by individuals exposed to toxic molds. Recent work is emerging that supports brain inflammation and memory loss in mice exposed to Statchidbotrys chatratiarum. Exactly. This is a common indoor mold. They've also found that it increases anxiety and fear in the mice. Mm, science again. Interesting. Okay. Maybe there were toxic mold spores. Okay. Another culprit could be carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is an odorless, colorless gas that slowly poisons us while going undetected by our senses. Exposure to carbon monoxide reduces the amount of oxygen in your red blood cells and can lead to auditory hallucinations, a feeling of pressure on your chest, and an unexplained feeling of dread. In 1921, a doctor named W.H. Wilmer published a story about a haunted house in the American Journal of Ophthalmology. The family who lived in this haunted residence, named the H. family, in the medical literature, began experiencing weird phenomena when they moved into the old house. 
They heard furniture moving around and strange voices in the night, feeling the presence of an invisible specter. They report being held down in bed by ghosts, feeling weak and more. As it turned out, a faulty furnace was filling the house with carbon monoxide, causing oral and visual hallucinations. The furnace was fixed, and the H family went back to living their lives with no other reports of spectral haunting. Science. Another explanation, which wouldn't account for your experience on Angel Island, is sleep paralysis. I know you were wide awake at the time. Studies suggest that 7.6% of the general population and 31.9% of psychiatric patients, which is interesting, experience at least one episode of sleep paralysis. Of the psychiatric patients with panic disorder, 34.6% report lifetime sleep paralysis. It's an ongoing issue if you have panic disorder. What is sleep paralysis? What is sleep paralysis? While sleeping, our bodies relax and our voluntary muscles become essentially paralyzed. This appears to be an evolutionary adaptation to prevent us from injuring ourselves by acting out our dreams. Sleep paralysis involves a disruption or fragmentation of the rapid eye movement sleep cycle. In sleep paralysis, the body's transition to or from REM sleep is out of sync with the brain. The person's consciousness is awake, but their body remains in the paralyzed sleep state. Throughout history, people have described waking up in this way, and these incidents commonly involved vivid hallucinations that there is an intruder in the room, the presence of an incubus and the sensation of floating. A lot of people report a presence hovering above them or something sitting on their chests, weighing them down. These experiences are charged by an intense feeling of fear. Because of its almost universal occurrence across all cultures, some scientists have proposed sleep paralysis as an explanation for reports of paranormal phenomena such as ghosts, alien visits, demons or demonic possession, alien abduction experiences, and shadow people hauntings. The number one reason people see ghosts? Because they want to. Like the survey I quoted at the beginning of this 64% of people believe in life after death. The existence of ghosts is just a form of confirmation bias. If ghosts exist, then it must be evidence that there is something more for us after this world. If you strip away the crazy costumes, trick-or-treating, candy, the dopamine buzz we get from being scared, and all the modern pageantry surrounding Halloween. At its core, Halloween is all about the possibility of communing with the dead. It's the hope that one time a year, when darkness begins to dominate the days, the boundary between two worlds thins enough to enable communication with our departed loved ones. The chance to relieve the heaviness in our hearts that is the purpose of the seances and the myriad gadgets created to talk with spirits. A prayer for solace and verifiable proof that we are not alone in the universe. We believe in ghosts because we have an innate need to find meaning in our lives. We construct elaborate social, political, and religious systems in an attempt to bring order to a chaotic world. Ghosts provide an optimistic trust that there is significance to the daily drudgery of our lives. They imply that we simply just don't stop moving 
that after all the suffering of this world, there's something bigger and better to come. They represent the age-old argument that in order for society to survive and keep moving forward, we need to exchange the immediate pleasure of the moment with the promise that there will be something far superior ahead. Hey everyone, this is Rain DeGray. If you want to keep tabs on me and check out all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head on over to my website, raindegray.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter so that you and I can stay in touch. And if you are on Twitter, check me out at either Rain DeGray or the Dirty Talk cast. Dirty Talk podcast has a new Twitter. Just search Twitter for Dirty Talk podcast or add us at Dirty Talk cast. Oot. And now for something completely different. Time for the sexy. I brought everybody down. Now you're going to bring them back up with the sexy. I appreciate your well-crafted piece of profound, profoundity. (laughs) I am going to, I'm going to give you something completely different. When we were children, Halloween seems like the most exciting holiday ever. I liked it better than Christmas. You get to play dress up, wear cool costumes, be given truckloads of free candy. You get to walk up to someone's house, knock on the door, and be given handfuls of potent sugar bombs you could get jacked to the gills on. My young OCD Virgo self could while away countless hours with the organizing and sorting and structure of my candy piles. Deeply satisfying. The aging out of Halloween when you turn 12, 13, 14 and become too old to trick-or-treat without the skeptical side-eye is a tragic time of life indeed. I still remember that loss. As do I, as I was trick-or-treating into my late teens. Mmm, you pushed it, didn't you? 17 or 18. Oh, wow. Uh, It helps when you are wearing nothing but a grass skirt and a coconut bra. People reluctantly give you candy because they laugh. They want you to go away. (laughs) I'll give you candy if you move away from my front door, creepy teenager. I see. Well, I would remember knocking on the door and the homeowner's face would open up an expectation and then it would fall a little and they'd give you the candy, but you could tell they were thinking you were too old to be doing it. I didn't have a grass skirt and a coconut bra. Maybe if I'd done that. No, I shouldn't. Definitely should not have been doing that as a teenager. No, no. I could get away with it because I was chubby and hairy. <laughs> the comedy factor goes a long way. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Harry, Harry Cleavage will probably get you more candy than non-Harry Cleavage. I would have gotten. Uh, you would have gotten more leers and yeah, yeah, suggestive, dirty gestures. Right. Well, speaking of sexy, there is a weird blank time when you are too old to trick or treat. And then Halloween cycles back around, particularly if you're a woman. Adult Halloween is an excuse to get plastered and dress up in provocative outfits. It stops being getting jacked up on free candy and becomes getting drunk off your ass while dressed up as a sexy Mario brother. Ooh, Luigi. It is Rule 34 in full effect. Today I'm going to be featuring some of the absolute worst sexy costumes the women get to wear to celebrate the Halloween season. Here we are at the height of spooky fashion season in Paris, and we have the hottest and most fashionable faces storming the runways. How are we celebrating Halloween this year? As sexy as possible, of course. And who is bringing the sexy? We are. First up, we have Katrina and Tatiana as sexy Bert and Ernie. Forget your childhood with Bert and Ernie as a barely repressed gay couple in an emotionally abusive relationship. This is Bert and Ernie in a whole new light. Taunt tummies, heaving cleavage, tiny booty shorts, Still rocking their classic colors, of course. Who knew Bert and Ernie could be so sexy? Forget your childhood. Tatiana and Katrina are bringing the sexy back. 
The plastic Bert and Ernie heads perched on top of their heads are a little jarring. But let's just imagine that Bert and Ernie went full hoochie mama and sprouted double heads. Next up, we have Bella as sexy bacon. We all know that bacon is mouth-watering and delicious. Who doesn't want some yummy, yummy bacon in their mouth? Now we can enjoy bacon in a whole new light. Look at Bella rocking her skin-tight, sexy bacon outfit and those sky-high heels. The heels are, of course, bacon-colored to perfectly coordinate with that designer bacon dress. Bacon has never looked so good. That dress perfectly accents her curves. Thank you, Bella, rocking it as you do. We want some of that in our mouth. The hits just keep coming with Gia as sexy Scrabble. Who doesn't like some brains with their sexy? Easily intimidated men, that's who. View your childhood in a whole new light as you look at that Scrabble board redesigned into a sexy, tight mini dress. Gia's glasses, of course, add to the intellectual effect of this entire outfit and are the perfect accessory. Look at those Scrabble letters dangling off her dress and providing the perfect, provocative fringe. Who wouldn't want to play that game of Scrabble? I'm feeling smarter already. Evidently, the finest designing minds in the world simply can't leave Sesame Street alone because we have a sexy Oscar the Grouch and a sexy Big Bird. It's time to crumple up your entire childhood and throw it into that trash can while Oscar the Grouch does things with his hands we really don't want to know about. Work it, girls! That giant wobbling yellow head of Big Bird perched on top of Alexia over there is maybe a bit more jarring than sexy to me, but obviously I don't know what sexy is and need to go back to sexy school for some education. Perhaps this rebooted Sesame Street can help me. Oh my. This next ensemble is going to be really challenging for some, but then again, isn't that what fashion is all about? Challenging the status quo? Here we have Melania as a sexy Donald Trump. I am sure the Donald would be happy to tell you that he is sexy every day of the year, not just on Halloween, but he doesn't often rock hot pants that tight and short. Melania is bringing his iconic long red power tie into play, and it is definitely provocatively dangling and drawing the eye right to sexy times. What's this? Even more politics? We have Angelina as a sexy kin bone. I thought kin bones 15 minutes were up, but maybe enough time has passed for a revival. Work that mustache. I've never seen such a tight sweater. Oh, rawr. Perhaps as a bit of a palate cleanser, we are wrapping up the show with some sexy corn as modeled by Sabrina. She's long. She's lean. She's bright yellow and shaped ever so suggestively sexy. I'd want to eat my vegetables after seeing that outfit. That pop of bright yellow heels really brings the whole outfit together. Thank you all for joining us here at Paris Fashion Halloween Week. I can't wait to see what they have in store for us next year in terms of sexy Halloween costumes. My childhood is thoroughly ruined, and I do not understand this obsession with sexualizing Sesame Street. They had sexy Bert and Ernie, sexy Oscar the Grouch, and sexy Big Bird. I didn't even get into sexy Chinese food container. <laughs> sexy, yes, please. Sexy guitar, sexy mustard. <laughs> Basically, any object you can see lying around seems like it will inevitably end up being turned into a sexy time outfit for someone to get drunk in. Sexy wad of used Kleenex. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> Rule thirty-four. Rule thirty-four in play, my friend. I know I will never look at a Chinese food container in quite the same way again. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us for our Halloween spooktacular. 
Ooh, spooky. AKA our celebration of spectrophilia. Ghost fucking. We hope you enjoy this and that you have a fun, safe, sexy Halloween. So sexy. So safe. I've run out of S's. <laughs> Spectacular. Spectacularly safe, sexy, sultry. Ooh. Slippery. Oh, yeah, keep it coming. Slithering. <laughs> silky. So, ooh, yeah. Uh, I'm... Spectral, sensational, spook oh. fest. That's good. Is That's that really good. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Again, you've been listening to the Dirty Talk podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor. We are putting out our podcast challenge, which is what, Mr. Gray? Rate and review and recommend. It's yes. the three R's. Rate, review, recommend. Ooh, I like that. Three R's. Yes. If you like it, share it with your friends. Go out. Our challenge to you is tell at least one person. It really helps us build an audience because if you appreciate the kind of stuff we're doing here, it helps. And we appreciate you for joining us and listening. And if this is your first episode, great. We have plenty of other great ones. I also recommend last year, if you haven't already, our October episode was the Badass Broom Riding Babes, which is all about witches and hallucinogenics. So go check it out. Riding the devil's broomstick with special balm on that broomstick that you're then shoving into your mucous membranes and then all sorts of interesting things. Oh, no, I, no, but things happen. It also involves licking the devil's anus. The devil is a big fan of the salad tossing. Of course, who isn't? Additionally, if you like these podcasts, be sure to join us on Patreon because we have a weekly podcast, the Dirty Talk After Hours, which we do every week. And oftentimes we'll have fun challenges. We'll be coming from strange, exotic locations, all sorts of random, interesting, sexy trivia or just random, interesting trivia. Join us for those. You can join us for $5 a month on Patreon at patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast they're a lot of fun to do and are a great accompaniment to these regular episodes we do also we will be having a bonus halloween episode this year oftentimes after we do a regular podcast episode we will have a follow-up bonus episode based on a lot of the information that we've gathered because we have so much more interesting halloween tidbits of information that we want to share but they all can't fit into a reasonably length podcast so we don't want this podcast to be two hours join us and you will get all that extra cool bonus information on patreon the podcast can be found on itunes google play music spotify stitcher spreaker tune in radio iHeartRadio, and youtube as well like the lovely Mr. Gray already said, please follow us, rate us, comment on any of those platforms so we can grow our listenership. Rate, review, recommend. Three R's. Correct. And finally, before we go off and throw on some sort of sexy outfit, uh, some random object that we <laughs> find around the house, I'm going to go dress as a sexy doorstop. Oh, wow. That is pretty sexy. I was going to be a sexy ball of lint, but I think you have me beat with the doorstop. Ooh, sexy challenge accepted. <laughs> we do want to thank our honorary producers. If you want to become an honorary producer of the podcast, you can support the Dirty Talk podcast on Patreon at the $100 a month level, and you will get mentioned at the end of every single episode of our regular podcast as an honorary producer. Our current Honorary producers are Rolf and his wives. Yes, thank you very much, Rolf Hansen and your wives. wives. We heard that there was a new baby on the way. Hope that everything is going well and the baby enjoys its first spooky Halloween. And you're actually getting some sleep. Good luck. Because if not, you might actually start seeing ghosts. I'm sure that <laughs> sleep deprivation is one of the scientific reasons leading to people's experience with ghosts. You're not actually seeing a ghost. You're just having your brain melt from lack of sleep. And you have a newborn child. Thanks for joining us again. We can't wait till next time when we have more interesting, strange, 
exotic, sexy information to share with you. Over and out, my friends. Bye-bye.